Hey Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. In New York this week, and um, it's been great to, to meet the team out here and spend some time with them. How are you? Yeah, amazing. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing um, some, some stuff about hiring and how you're building out that team. Um, so it sounds like it's, it's this conversation is, is very timely. Um, but no, I'm really looking forward to, to this conversation. Um, I know you've got, you do a ton for the, the BDR and SDR communities. I know you're going to have a lot of nuggets to share. Um, but, but before we kick off into the conversation, um, I'd love to get a bit of an introduction for those of you who don't know you. Um, it's just a little bit into your journey. Um, I personally remember meeting you when Reach Desk was, was just a company of two. Uh, it was just Alex and yourself and you were a BDR. And it's amazing personally to see your journey and, and how you've grown and, and how Reach Desk has scaled in that time as well. Um, but yeah, it'd be great if you could share some of that, that journey with everyone then. Absolutely. So I'm currently the Director of Business Development at ReachDesk, looking at, after a team of outbound and inbound BDRs. I'm currently taking on partnerships as well, which has been a really exciting opportunity. And um, I think it's it's amazing to see how business development can go into so many different routes and avenues. So I used to be a professional ice skater. I toured with Disney on Ice for five years. And one day I woke up and thought, I don't want to ice skate anymore. I want to get into the corporate <laughs> corporate world and I hung up my skates and moved to London thought it'd be really easy and I was a bit naive about how, how easy I thought it would be to get into the technology industry and specifically I know I, I knew I wanted to go into business development must have applied for about 300 BDR roles to to get rejected by all of them ended up taking an internship at a PR agency and that's where I think I first started building up my my true resilience and understanding what what this industry would would be like um, then I met Alex Olly at ReachDesk and he took a, a big risk on me and some could say I took a, a risk on ReachDesk at the time, but was so excited to get into, into the world of business development and tech sales. And uh, yeah, thankfully it's, it's paid off and been, been a great journey so far. Amazing. Well, what a, what a journey from um, professional ice skating to, uh, to, now a director of business development so um well what i'm curious to know because there's there's quite a few people in in your situation it's quite rare to have gone from sdr itself and being the ic to then growing and, and leading that team um how did you find that that transition ben it was challenging to say the least it was it was i was very lucky to have some great mentors around me and a really good support around me one of those people being yourself and and the course that i, I took with with you when i first transitioned into that team lead role it was a unique time to be transitioning into a team lead role as well because we were just about to really scale the bdr function and i remember i had my first hires that that were joining um, joining my new cohort of, of a team and that same week we were told that we were going to be going into into lockdown so I planned out all of our onboarding all of our training to be in person was so excited to get the team together and then quickly found out that I'd have to readjust and plan everything to be to be virtual so that was a it was a challenging time to say the least back then as well we were also figuring out how we would go from sending people direct mail and packages to their offices where everybody used to be to then having to to pivot and really think of new ways that we could send direct mail and gifting out to people's homes or wherever they might have been during during the pandemic and during that time. I think early on though, I think the things that I struggled with was just understanding what leader I wanted to be and what my values were, what my goals were, things which I held close to me that I wanted to then create that vision for, for other people. And I think it's taken me 
a couple of years really to understand the effects that that, that has on other people and um, being that self-aware to to be able to create that vision and set those goals and get everyone as excited as I am on the, on the journey that we're that we're, we're we're mapping out to to be. Amazing. I, I remember going through the same journey. I went from IC to to leader as well. And actually, a lot of what you just said really resonated with me about what kind of leader do I want to be? And I remember thinking about that. I remember thinking, what do I value for a leader? What do I like? What do I not like? But then recognizing that everybody wants a different type of leader. So how do I kind of adjust but whilst being authentic and whilst being myself? I remember that was that was quite a difficult um thing to navigate and um, so it's reassuring to hear that you, you went through the same thing and I'm sure a lot of a lot of people doing that transition um, have gone through a similar thing as well um, so you talked a little bit about how ReachDesk navigated through COVID um, and I, I guess COVID has been a big part of y- your journey in building out the BDR team but if we kind of look from then to now what big changes have you have you noticed in the way that sort of more broadly sales development operates and some of those those um themes there that you've seen yeah i think i think ultimately you know it's been the the phase we're in right now is it's really hard to generate pipeline budgets are tighter than ever people are unsure of their strategy and where they want to go a lot of people have been investing in sort of the same channels and and same strategies and really looking at ways to reduce costs i hate to say that people have been looking to, to kind of do more with less but it is it is true people have been really tightening and figuring out what works as part of their strategy so that then they can start scaling that again and being really confident in what they're doing and the approach that, that they're taking. Um, I think for business development, how that's changed and how that's had to play into it is we've had to get a lot better with not just focusing on the quantity, but really focusing on the quality. So for me and my team, the things that we're really interested in now and uh, how I'm kind of really trying to make an impact here is not just focusing on setting meetings, booking appointments, but really looking at the targeting, the level of persona that we're bringing into that conversation, how many people I can get invested into that uh, first meeting with that account executive, and then how I can progress those deals, not from just that first qualification point, but to the second qualification point. So we're having a far more investment into the sales process than we've ever had to previously. It means that we can start influencing more of our close rates and making sure that this channel is is hyper performing and contributing to, to the company's revenue goals. And in turn, that means that you don't need as much uh, of the quantity. You still need a good volume of, of opportunities. And I'd hate for everyone to think that I'm saying you, do, you don't need high volume. You still need a high volume of opportunities, but it's never been so important. But to look at the quality of what you're bringing in um, and, and the impact that's having on the wider business. So many interesting things there that I that I want to unpack. So, um, quality over quantity. It's it. I mean, a lot of people are talking about it right now, but I think you know people are struggling to actually make that adjustment when it comes to um, you know, potentially metrics when it comes to quotas and commissions and getting buy-in from the wider organization. Obviously, training the team on doing that. So, what advice would you give to other leaders who are trying to? Um, also have the same focus on quality over quantity, but, but potentially struggling with that. What, what what advice would you give there? I think, first of all, it comes down to how you're working cross-functionally. So I work really, really closely with my uh, RevOps team, with the sales managers, with the CRO, with marketing. And I try and really embed even customer success and, and figuring out which customers are 
staying with us, which ones are, are really doing well with us, and how can we bring that back to the start of the sales process to make sure we we generate more opportunities with those types of customers. Um, RevOps and, and how you partnership with, with RevOps is so important because they're going to bring you all the data that you need to make the informed decisions to uh, to, to get better and to keep improving. I'd be nowhere without without my RevOps team, and I'm I'm so fortunate I've got such a supportive team around me that are able to help me make these informed decisions rather than it just being a finger in the air and saying I think this is the direction we need to go in. It's this is actually backed up by data, and I know that if we do this, we'll start seeing the improvements that we we need to make. That makes it really easy to then sell these ideas to the wider company and get buy-in from your team, from other teams. Also, keeping everyone in the loop around things might not be going the way that you want them to, but these are the things that we're focusing on and these are the ways that we're going to get better. Uh, so some of those things for me has been really focusing on uh, getting meetings with a director and above in, in that first call. How can my BDR team run more discovery calls and get buy-in and excitement, build that excitement with um, a bottom-up sort of approach to, to prospecting. How can they not just influence uh, a deal moving from what we call discovery demo, which is that first qualification stage, but into scoping. So how can they continue to add more people into that deal and get and help the account executives multi-thread? And then by doing that, it's not saying that we need less opportunities. It's just saying that we want to be involved in helping helping everyone in the company progress the right opportunities even further. That's amazing. I think the, the things that you've done there are really practical. So kind of at a persona and seniority level, um, and then actually like what they actually get involved in. How did you how did you equip your team um, to do some of that multi-threading and to be involved in that discovery? Because that's that's quite a complex thing to, to do for, for anyone. So what did you do to really help your team feel confident to do that? I think it's first of all building it with some champions. So working with some of the senior members on the team and getting them to tell their stories about how they've seen their close rate improve by multi-threading earlier, getting directors on that first call and, and really using them as your champions to, to suggest that this is the right way that we should be moving. Um, the, the seniors also have been doing a really, really good job then at uh, having a laser focus as part of their career development, and their personal development plans around um, how they will become AEs in the future is because they're, they're able to influence these things. And then it's about the enablement and training and taking all that knowledge and all those learnings from, from those seniors and then applying it to, to the other BDRs as well and then giving them and empowering them to be able to run those discovery calls with confidence, giving them the resources they need to be able to have really good conversations and build that excitement on those discovery calls. I think the other part that we did is we kind of moved to an all-bound strategy. So uh, we're now not focusing on having inbound and outbound separate, but actually outbound BDRs now having some inbound opportunities that they can start practicing, start qualifying, um, having more exposure to to those conversations and more um, conversations which would normally happen a little bit later in the sales process. So that when they are having those cold calls, they're asking better questions, they're qualifying a lot earlier and really feeling confident when they're when they're, when they're meeting with their prospects. Yeah, I, I think the all bound piece is, is really interesting and something you said at the start, which perked my ears as well, which you, you've been historically running outbound, inbound, and, and you're including partners in that as well, because we have to keep evolving. So what role, um, if you can share anything, what role is channel and partners playing in your business development strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I think some plays that we've run 
which have worked really well to start with is working with partnerships on the integrations. So we've just launched a really great integration with Chili Piper, uh, a book a meeting feature. So you book a meeting and then um, you get sent a gift afterwards to help increase the conversions from meeting booked to meeting being, being held. Um, partnerships really helps to number one, identify those accounts that we, we should be prospecting into. They help with the messaging, the cadencing, and really enabling the BDRs to go and have those better conversations because they're far more invested, educated, and, and up to date with, uh, with, with those product, product launches that, that we're, we're coinciding with. Um, the other area is even using tools like Crossbeam and getting access to the BDRs around what other tools their prospects are, are using and then kind of having that messaging around better together. So that might be that we're looking at other account-based marketing softwares that companies are using and talking mm -hmm. about how gifting plays a really important role as part of account-based marketing strategies. And that's helped us generate some really good quality opportunities um, because we know that these companies are already investing in, in these similar things. Yeah. You're the first. That's that's really interesting because you're the first person I've actually spoken to as a BDR leader in a, in a world that has implemented this strategy. A lot of people focus on channel and partnerships much further down the funnel um, yes. as market partners or you know or things like that. But actually, you're really thinking about it uniquely at the top of the funnel. Um, so it's, it's great to get your insights on that. Um, so I wanted to shift a little bit more to to reach desk and sort of what what you guys do um we've had a lot of podcast guests talk about the importance of multi-channel um so no one channel is more effective and this whole but video is you know probably the most unique and then probably the most underused um from what people are kind of currently using um but i want to get your your thoughts on how you train and how you work with your team on how to incorporate direct mail as, as a multi-channel approach and 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 maybe some of the shifts and trends that you've seen there and how they've evolved over the last couple of years yeah absolutely i think direct mail is still such an underutilized channel for a lot of companies and a lot of business development teams but really it is the channel which can build those deeper relationships and especially in a time where we are focusing on the quality and people aren't spraying and praying, you need to make those memorable moments and, and create those moments that matter. I think when implementing a direct mail strategy, you need to be thinking about those touch points and when you're looking to, to incorporate the step, just as you would with any channel that you're using. You know, you, you build out tool tracks to, um, for, for when you start using and educating your BDRs on how to, to cold call, you enable them with with different tool tracks. You need to enable uh, you need to enable people with uh, the right reasons and relevant reasons of when they should be using direct mail. Now that could be that they've had a cold call with somebody, that person's been really stressed, they've been really busy, and to make their day, you could send them send them a gift for a coffee voucher. Perhaps they're dropping the kids at school, and you've caught them at a really really bad time. So you catch them at a moment when when you can build that emotional connection. It mm -hmm. might be that you've seen your prospect has just got a new job, and rather than being like every other BDR out there. Uh, who's sending them a, a LinkedIn connection, sending them an email, sending them in the mail. You really want to stand out and celebrate this, you know, momentous occasion that they they have just got a new job. You can engrave your company name, their company name, their name on a bottle of, of Prosecco, gin, whatever the gift might be. And then that gift is going to sit there for the next three months with them or, or even longer. And that keeps getting your brand um, to be top of mind and when the timing is right if it isn't now it's going to be sat there and they're going to be thinking about you rather than even having to go 
maybe into an ideas folder in their email box to say, I think something came up about this maybe six months yeah. ago and I can't quite remember. Um, they're going to be sat at their desk looking at something very visual and something very memorable that's created a long lasting impression in the moment from the start. I agree. I think it's the emotional connection piece that, that you touched upon. And, and right now it's, you know, it is also a competitive landscape, whatever industry you're in. Um, it's about setting yourself apart. And I think creating that trust and creating that connection. Um, and I, and I, I think what, what we see is kind of two different parts here, right? So one is um, how do you capture someone's attention? So like you just said, if someone's got, um, if you've, if you've called them at a bad time, how can you capture their attention with, let's say, a coffee gift card or anything? And then the bit that I'm curious about is we've had a lot of um, people talk. We had Jack Nico on here and and he was talking about, um, you know, the ever growing um, number of prospects who are saying now is not the right time. And what would you advise there and how could you use direct mail um for SDRs who want to stay top of mind in that in that time frame to not get lost and as you say kind of you know be lost in someone's inbox but how would you use um, direct mail to potentially nurture or stay top of mind for a prospect where you're hearing that objection? Yeah absolutely I think some of my favorite nurture campaigns that we've run and quite quite um, relevant for October coming up could be a ghosting campaign. So think about the seasons which are happening, Halloween in October, prospects that maybe have gone cold. Use a creative way to re-engage them. Kind of call them out a little bit sometimes. Be like, hey, you've ghosted me. Here's a, here's some cupcakes with a ghost on. You can get really creative with the, the type of gifts that you send and tailor it to your value prop and your messaging. You might have new messaging that you're launching and it's a great way to update them on new features, new products, new um new ways that we're helping clients get better as well and and, and put that into a, a thoughtful camp so when you when you kind of look at the nurture versus generation of new leads and new opportunities um as a manager how have you changed or evolved metrics and activities um and output to reflect the fact that maybe conversion rates are lower or the team is spending more time on multi-threading or things like that what's that shift been like for you yeah, so we've been really focusing on the stages a lot earlier on. So we've implemented a pre-pipeline stage, so pre-qualification stages. So that's looking at target accounts, account being worked, how many of those accounts being worked and moving into engaged and then into nurture uh, or, or appointments scheduled, exhausted, and then how they progress into the sales pipeline. And what that's been able to do is really help us understand, okay, well, we might not be able to, to engage these accounts right now, However, we're building up a really good pipeline for the future. And something I always educate the BDRs on is it's so important to speak to, to a lot more accounts early on in your journey when you start a company because pipeline isn't built overnight. Pipeline yeah. isn't built until around the sixth month mark. And, you know, I think that's even harder for a lot of enterprise customers or, or companies which are focusing purely on enterprise. It's going to be um, potentially a lot longer plays as well. So it's making sure that you've got the ops in place to identify when you should be retargeting these accounts, working with your marketing team on nurture campaigns, making sure that um, you're not leaving leaving opportunities on the table for, for anyone else to come and pick up. So nurture has never been as important as it, as it is now. And I think the companies which are going to do really well in Q3, Q4 are the ones which have been nurturing those, those accounts really well up until, up until this point. 
Yeah, I, I love your point around the pipeline's not built overnight. I think often there is um, a misconception, even sometimes from senior leaders, you know, and I've worked with some of these before um, in smaller companies where a CEO said like month three, my SDR team is not performing. And I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and say, what, what is your expectation here? Um, because pipeline isn't built overnight. And I think especially now where it's, these relationships are um, more important to build and it's actually, you know, when I started in SDR, it was all about, sell the meeting that's it really evolved now because it's actually not selling the v- meeting at all it's all about being value-led and and being really sure that you're talking to your icp and not just um trying to put a square peg in, in a round hole so i i love the ideas that you shared around that and um, you talked you mentioned at the start that you you're in new york right now and you're you're hiring sdrs um and i know you're hiring um sort of more broadly and um, Tell us a little bit about how your hiring has has evolved um, in the last couple of years and what skill sets you look for, what attributes and traits you look for now that you might not have done when you first started hiring into the team. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think a lot of it comes down to, I think I've got better at, I've been allowed space to kind of learn with, with my hiring strategy. And I've always wanted to hire quite a diverse team and a team which has come from different backgrounds maybe they've been to university maybe they haven't been to university maybe they've done tech sales before or they've come from a completely different industry and want to to get into tech sales for for the right reasons and i've got really strong motivations so i'm not sure in terms of what i'm looking for has changed as such i think you know i've hired grads who haven't had any experience but have been really really hungry and they've done super well i've hired people um, that have had a retail background and then they've come into tech sales and they've done really well. And I think that comes down to a lot of how I got into tech sales and, and my struggles getting into it was that I knew this is what I wanted to do and I knew I was going to be good at it, but I just needed somebody to give me an opportunity and a chance to, to prove that and show and show people that this is, um, that I'm serious about this. And in terms of the skill sets and, and who, who I hire, I think they still look for the same things, curiosity, coachability, have they had prior success? And that doesn't need to be at university. It needs to be at some point in their life. Have they gone out of their way to do something and, and make something happen when everything might have been against them? It's that that critical thinking mindset and being able to um, really apply yourself when when other people are kind of telling you that it's not worth not worth doing. So that's the people that I look for. And on top of that direct mail and gifting, you have to be creative. Yeah. I think people that really enjoy being creative and want to make an impact and a change on the industry, that's that's really important because I want to surround myself with people that are as enthusiastic and motivated and driven to make change and drive change as, as I am. Yeah. And I, I've got to say, everyone I've spoken to at ReachDesk is super creative. I remember when when I used ReachDesk, I was constantly leaning on my customer success manager to to help me with ideas because I I believe so so much in the principle, and I believe in cutting through the noise. Um, I remember when you first sent me a coffee gift card when we had a demo book that day, and I remember thinking like it's such a small token and it's it's an easy gesture to do, but I remember thinking I remember how I felt and 
people remember how you made them feel and I and I, so I believe so much in the in the concept of, of direct direct mail gifting um but I'm just not very creative at all so, <laughs> so I can see how that's such an important trait to have and I think also you know be willing to a b test and be willing to try new things um I guess like, this is this is just a question that, that's come into my mind just now but rejection is always a big thing for SDRs you know when I've had the phone put down on me I've had people ghost me as you say is the rejection worse one if you've sent a, a a gift or something through direct mail that you've put a lot of time and thought and creativity into does that rejection get worse when you've done that and and how do you as a leader deal with that for your team yeah I don't I don't know if it gets worse I think sometimes um, sometimes people just don't see it in the way that they wouldn't see a phone call, wouldn't see an email, etc. I think it's about um, when they do see it, I would say that that's when it really, really works. So I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I've, I very rarely myself get sent gifts when people are, are trying to prospect me and I kind of scream out and say, surely that's the number one channel you would go to for somebody who's <laughs> direct mail gifting. But um, I don't know if, if the rejection is is any 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 worse if anything you're 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 building that long-term relationship and once they have received the gift you know it's usually a timing situation it's not because the gift hasn't made an impact um on 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 that relationship and that deal progressing or that conversation being started so i think it's it's no worse in in my opinion that's good. Not that any kind of rejection is good, but it's good that it's not worse. Um, so as, as we kind of wrap up and, and, and um, reflect on, you know, some of the ideas that your team have used, what do you think is the best direct mail campaign that you've seen either from yourself or from one of your team and, and what were the results that it had? Yeah, great question. Um, what is the best direct mail I think the one that which we, we use the most and is an ongoing direct mail campaign that, that we run is that new job hook and trigger. So somebody's had a promotion, they're celebrating a milestone. Uh, we have a landing page that we spun up, which has got several different gifting options for alcoholic options, non-alcoholic options, food options. So you can really, there's there's something in there for everyone to make sure that it is really personalized to, to the individual and, and what they want to receive and, and what they would like to be able to celebrate that moment that you're recognizing. And I think, we, you know, new changes for jobs and promotions, that's already a really compelling hook and trigger. But when you add the layer of direct mail and you start celebrating that, then then that's been a really top performing campaign for us, I would say. Amazing. Well, I'm sure lots of people are going to start start using that now. Um, but thank you so much, Ben. You've um, you've shared tons of tons of insightful things about how you've um, grown and, and changed the SDR team at ReachDesk. So I'm sure that both SDRs and leaders are going to are going to benefit from this conversation. So thank you so much, and enjoy the rest of your time in in New York. Amazing. Thank you for having me.